May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father and from his Son, his only Son, his promised Son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. It's Advent, it's the season for waiting, so what are you waiting for? I know I said this last Sunday and nothing much has changed. But are you waiting for the doorbell to ring with another Amazon delivery? Are you waiting for Christmas cards and letters to show up in your mailbox? Or are you waiting to finally get them written and addressed and send them out? Are your tree and your wreaths and your candles and your decorations all hung with care? Tomorrow is the day that Connie and I have set aside to do that at our home. And you don't have to wait any longer because the Christmas trees are up in our sanctuary. However, you will need to be patient and wait for Christmas Eve to see them brightly lit. We really need this day, this Advent Sunday, to let God's word tell us what we are waiting for and to tell us what God is waiting to do. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts to know the answer to this question that yes, his waiting and their waiting and our waiting are over. But today the question is, what are we waiting for? People God dearly loves. Isaiah 40, today's Old Testament reading, is my primary text. God's people are waiting. Some 700 years before the birth and ministry of Jesus, God's people are waiting. They are waiting for their exile to end. So Yahweh speaks to and through Isaiah. And we discover more about what they need and how the prophet is instructed to speak. Don't judge, don't condemn, don't berate my people. The exile you see, you must see, is proof of God's judgment. Instead, comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to the holy city of Jerusalem. Cry out that their warfare is over and that their iniquity is pardoned. For the Lord is giving them double for all their sins. This is gospel. This is gospel for the covenant people of God then and now. For in his mercy, God does not give them or us what we deserve. The Lord is not saying each sin, as bad as it is, will be met by twice as much punishment. No, it's just the opposite, the complete opposite. The ever patient God. The one the Apostle Peter proclaims in today's epistle says to those who repent, I am giving double for all your sins, more than you expected, more than enough. And our gracious God gives this gift over and over and over again. He never runs out. He never tires of forgiving. This is good news because there is bad news, for the gift of comfort reveals what God's ancient people and God's present people need and long for and hope for and wait for. Comfort was needed because God's people Israel were weary and upset and confused and anxious and grieving and distraught. They needed and longed for and hoped for 
and waited for rescue and freedom and return. Their exile was in Babylon. Our exile is lived here in South Texas. Our exile is all the brokenness that we know and feel and hide. We need comfort for we are weary and upset and confused and anxious and grieving and distraught. We long for and hope for and wait for rescue and freedom and return. But Isaiah 40 reveals more bad news and more good news. All flesh, all human existence is grass. Its beauty doesn't last. Just as a flower loses its vibrant color, grass withers and turns brown. Flowers fade and soon you can't tell a bright red rose from a golden yellow marigold. But God's word is constant. The word of our God stands and will stand forever. This is the message the prophet cries out. God keeps his word. What he declares, he delivers. What he promises, he performs. What he speaks is certain. It is always true. And this ever-standing word of the Lord, yes, think verbum domine manat in aeternum, the motto of the lay people of the Reformation years, is echoed by this truth proclaimed by the Apostle Peter. God does not wish that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That includes the people of Israel sent into exile. It includes the crowd swarming out of Judea and Jerusalem to be baptized by John at the Jordan. That includes the first century Christians threatened with persecution by both Roman and Jewish authorities. And that includes all of us. They needed and we need to look up to a high mountain, to hear a strong voice, a herald of good news. We need to be told just what the cities of cross Judah needed to be told. Behold, your God, this God comes with might. His strong arm rules. He brings generous and unearned reward. He longs to replace our losses with his gracious gifts. For this God is our shepherd. He tends and comforts his fearful flock. He gathers his weak and quivering lambs and holds them close. He leads with gentleness those caring for young and vulnerable sheep. These actions and these gifts are not abstract and fuzzy ideas. For God acts for his repentant and redeemed and rescued people through his messengers, through his shepherds. One of those Messenger Shepherd shows up in today's appointed gospel. John the baptizer wore odd clothes, a coat of camel fur, a simple leather belt, no jewels, no shiny silver tightened around his shaggy fleece. And his diet was odd as well, but the locusts, I suppose, provided the protein and the wild honey provided energy and antioxidants. John had two messages. First, Be baptized as you repent of your sins and be assured of God's forgiveness. Second, 
I am not the one, John says, that you've been waiting for. A mightier one is on the way. I am not worthy to bend over and untie the laces of his sandals. But his baptism, this mightier one's mightier baptism, will bring you to the faith-breathing and faith-sustaining Holy Spirit. Another one of these messenger shepherds has shown up today. He's sitting right there. His clothing isn't so odd. Well, it's not what we wear out there, but it's not so odd if you're used to the attire of 21st century Lutheran pastors. No well-groomed camel pelt, just a collar, an ob, an, an alb, and a cincture, a cassock and a surplus at other times, a stole, and a, and a chasuble. And his diet? Well, you can ask Andy and the children if there's any oddities that appeal to his palate when we're together at the brunch. But Pastor Katchelmeyer has a voice. He has a strong voice. He has a clear voice. And I don't simply mean the volume he's capable of. He will get up on this mountain in Stone Oak and he will lean on this pulpit He will lean on this pulpit and he will say, behold, your God, your new pastor will speak the withering word of the law, the fearsome truth of your failures and the blistering breath of our Lord's judgment. But then he will speak tenderly. He will deliver comfort in holy absolution pronounced on a Sunday morning. He will deliver comfort at a hospital bedside and a cemetery graveside. As an under-shepherd of the good shepherd, he will care for Christ's flock, for the flock gathered here at Crown of Life Lutheran Church, for you sheep and you lambs. Most of all, Pastor Katchelmeyer will say, there is one mightier than I. There is one mightier than your sins and your shame, your fears and your failures. His name is Jesus. His name is Emmanuel. Behold your God. He enters this world in humility. Yes, he will be seen soon in cradle and crib, but he is always seen on the cross, on that mountain where his arms rule as he gives his life away and you receive double, double forgiveness for all your sins. And Jesus is seen in the crypt and out of the grave for he has won you new and never ending life. That's what you will hear from this man's mouth. What are we waiting for? Every Sunday in Advent and beyond for the good news of salvation in Christ alone, for the comfort of his forgiveness, and always for the new heavens and the new earth in which those declared righteous will dwell. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.